Hello there, I'm John Sadiq. Welcome to Authentic Living. It's my mission through this work to guide and inspire individuals to recognize and understand their true nature and beauty through the process of direct insight and through self-realization. If you'd like to know more about Authentic Living, visit www.authenticliving.life. May peace and presence be yours. I set this up was I could just see a need for something that was kind of not aligned with any particular religion or group and yet wasn't kind of floaty new agey-ness, not that there's anything wrong with floaty new agey if that floats your boat, but at the same time kind of didn't have the uh, groupishness about it because sometimes Something I can see a lot of is, is that we mistake a great deal of cultural activity uh, and group activity for, uh, for, the, for the sacred, when actually it's got nothing to do with it whatsoever. You know, kind of learning to say things in a particular way or dressing in a certain way or... Um, the, 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 there are, the, there's loveliness about ritual and there is something to be said for tradition, uh, as long as it points back to something pure. Uh, but trying to kind of, you know, wear the clothes of something is not the same as actually awakening to the truth of oneself. Uh, and so the message at the heart of what we're trying to do is the same message as all the teachers that, that we, we kind of have come to know across the kind of thousands of years. Uh, but leaving the cultural aspects aside. You know, we have a bit of incense because it's nice and we light a candle. Um, and I've always been really interested in, not interested is not the right word, I'm, I'm only interested in what actually works. And uh, I've spent a lot of my life doing things that didn't work. Uh, and if I can offer somebody even sort of a slightly better route than, than the route I took kind of thing, uh, then I'm, I'm kind of just keen to kind of show sort of findings from the path, basically. My, uh, my joke with myself is I've made more mistakes than anybody else so uh, in kind of the meditational spiritual life. So it might be nice to kind of help somebody not make those mistakes. The, the, core, the core of the practice is really kind of based in you know, what is traditionally called self-realization, um, which is about actually just uh, starting to live from the, the life that 
that you have sprung from, the life that's in you, the consciousness that comes before the mind. Uh, and where we make a lot of, of our, where all of our difficulties in the world come from is living from the mind, because the mind is conditional. It's like a, a basket that things have been put into. You're born uh, because you have sprung from life, and so you manifest in this world. And then you're given a name, which is fantastic, because you've got to have a name. Nothing wrong with that whatsoever. But then, straight away, as lovely as people might be, or not lovely as people might be, conditioning is, is begun to put onto us, you know, in our family to be uh, one of us. These are our values. To be a member of this religion, these are our values. This is what we believe politically. This is what we believe. This is what a good person is. This is what a bad person is. And... Uh, and of course, you know, this is what you have to do in order to be fed in this family. Those things become very, you know, we identify with those things and we believe that's who we are. Um, and uh, all it takes is uh, some kind of tragedy to happen, which is usually how the world works. That's why suffering kind of keeps happening. Suffering comes along. Gives us, gives that that conditioning a good sort of you know slap on the side of the head, and we realise that we're not what we thought we were a lot of the time, you know, um, and that's if we're lucky. Uh, usually, what happens is that we cling to our conditioning even tighter, um, and yet the truth of ourselves is not something far away. Um, Jesus famously said, "The kingdom of heaven is within." Um, you know, and I'm, I'm, I really like, well, there's, there's, there's a lot of people I really like, but you know, for, 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 for what we're talking about to be true, and, and the, one of the big things I always say in this class is please don't believe a word I'm saying. I am not trying to teach. Uh, it's not how I, I, I try to present. I'm not the guru type or anything like that. Um, I just want to try and present something and then you look for yourself. And that was really important. And the Buddha said that. The Buddha said, look and see for yourself. It's really important that you test this in every way. Uh, and that's each individual's responsibility to do that. Um, but there's nothing difficult about it since you are already life. The only thing that stops us experiencing the beauty of what we really are is our addiction to our identities, the things that we live through. And we might think that by letting those things go, that the, this terrible egoic behavior is going to come flowing out. And that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking giving in to the worst impulses. That's, a, that's something I've often heard people say. What it is, is actually not letting go of those things, but just, just starting to sense the truth of yourself inside. So tonight's um, class, because uh, normally what we do is there are, there are, there are three tradi traditional gateways to experience uh, life, as I call it, or the kind of the consciousness, awareness that is. And uh, those are traditionally the gateway of silence, which is when you then, and we use this a lot in this class, which is where you become aware of your senses and then you allow yourself to notice that your senses report to something silent in you, 
which comes before the mind and you begin to rest in that and amazingly that just allows you to be in that truthful place uh, also something that works very very well is is what's called the gateway of the body and this is uh, what Eckhart Tolle uses uh, if you've ever read it, if you've read a new earth or the power of now he talks about just feeling the life in your right hand feeling that in yoga nidra works in a very similar way um, and um, you just can feel the life in you and that too moves us into that kind of quieter place so we're not doing something we're not counting breaths uh, and we're not kind of watching and we're not kind of labeling our awareness we're noticing that we're not the things arising in the mind and then the third gateway uh, which is kind of um, it's not the big one or anything like that but it's 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 one that comes in time it's not something that can be done it's just something that that comes in time which is is that you once you begin to recognize the consciousness the awareness because you know who you are you just are and you sit to kind of have a kind of deeper experience of that uh, I was reading Dogen recently Dogen is the person who who brought Soto Zen into the world uh, and he was asked, you know, why did the Buddha meditate? Why did the Buddha sit? And he answered, well, the reason that the Buddha continued to meditate was not because he needed to, but just to actually to go, to dive deep into life, into the bliss of truth and reality. You know, so it's about just the experience of reality. But the way we're going to uh, work this evening uh, is slightly different uh, because uh, we've got a break coming up. I wanted to kind of look at. Um, it's not different, it's exactly the same thing but just another way of looking at things um, and there's a um, each religion has a kind of higher counterpart you know, I'm sure you know that you know, so like with uh, Christianity you have Gnosticism with uh, Islam you have Sufism with Buddhism you have Zen and with Hinduism, you have Vedanta. And um, Vedanta and Zen are very, very close to each other, uh, as is, well, actually, I, and I'm, re I, I'm actually personally very fond of uh, Quakers as well. Uh, something I sometimes do is just go and sit in a Quaker group because it's, it's just being, you know, it's wonderful. Um, but what Vedanta uh, does is... Um, it uses a process called the process of inquiry. And this is not an intellectual inquiry. It maybe it begins as an intellectual inquiry. Uh, and it just is predicated on a simple question. Who am I? Who am I? And uh, it's really interesting if you look at Vedantic teachers. Uh, I always tend to uh, look at students rather than the teachers. Because it's very easy to kind of say these things. Um, and basically the, the basic Vedantic teaching is, is that anything that you can witness is not you anything that's witnessable outside of yourself is not you uh, and so as you begin to kind of rest into your consciousness you deliberately allow yourself as things arise you allow yourself to see whether if you, if you are seeing it then where, who is seeing it that's basically it. If it's seeable, who is seeing it? Uh, because 
and you arrive at a point where there's nowhere further back to go and you're just left at the core of being. And so it's the same thing. It's exactly the same thing as kind of a, a, a arriving in the, the sense of life that's in you. Uh, but it's a... Uh, I mean, teachers like Nisag Dat, um, who else can I think of? Ramana Marishi. Um, this would be kind of a primary way that they would work with people. Not necessarily the only way, because it actually depends on the, I don't like the word student, but the, it would depend on the person who's kind of come to have instruction, uh, depend on their relationship with their consciousness, with their awareness, and where they're up to. And it may be that, you know, the best thing we can do, um, like for me at the moment, with the loss of my mum, I'm not, I'm not meditating on my own at home, so either Abba, my partner, is either sitting with me, or I'm doing a lot more yoga. Uh, because there's just there's a, there's a choking aspect. It doesn't matter that you kind of practice for many many years and things like that. A death is a death, and and it you know you maybe you kind of see it in a slightly different way, but it still has this this tightness that it that it brings. We have human lives, uh, Maya, and uh, and it has its grip, you know, and uh, it's just that you view it in a slight, in, in a different way. You're not reactive about it. So what Ramana would do, and this like that would do, is they would kind of, they would try first the uh, inquiry way of doing things with people, and if they, you know if there was a lot of reactivity there or um, holding on to a particular part of their identity, then they would say, well, actually, you know, let's do some yoga, you know, or let, let's let's just be in kind of a wide, lovely, open awareness, and let's go and look at the trees. You know, go for a walk or do some yoga or whatever. So, so you know, or you might kind of do the following of the breath meditation or you might do Tratak. So all meditations are good. It's all good. Um, but sometimes I think we, we let ourselves kind of start, not too easy, but just a little bit kind of, um, we just don't go for it because there's nothing to go for. We already are. and But we kind of think there's some sort of paradigm we've been taught and I don't know where it's come from that we have to be a seeker, that we have to take our time, that uh, we have to melt the ego away and kind of work for many, many years until we achieve an enlightenment experience and then that takes kind of the life away or something like that, which is absolutely not true. Um, what does take time is us kind of ungripping and allowing ourselves to be the beautiful life that we are you know, to be the flowers of life that we are. That's going. But uh, yeah, my own kind of uh, change, because I, I lived a very different life until just a few years ago. Very egoic. And, um, and then I just started looking for what was truly alive in myself and then looking for what wasn't. <laughs> and I thought to myself, well... I, do, I can't do what everybody else is doing, and, and, and I don't know if this is mad or not, but Jesus seemed to be saying this, and the Buddha was saying this, and this poet that I love over here, Rumi and Kabir and D.H. Lawrence, were saying this kind of thing. There has to be some truth in this, doesn't it? Is this, or, 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 or are we all just kind of going on like this? So with as much um, uh, love as I could, 
I started attending to this, and uh, 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 and Nisag that the same sort of thing happened with him, and with Tolle the same sort of thing happened with him. That there was just this kind of feeling that we're all living crazy false lives, and I can't do this anymore. What's real? And uh, and then you have this sense of life in you, uh, which we all have. And then it's just like, well, can I just live from this? Can I live from this kind of light that's inside me? And noticing that, that oh, look, that thing's making me react. Well, that's not me reacting. That's just like, there it is again. And this feels like dead and secondhand. So what if I don't do that? What if I just stay in the life? And for me, slowly, the shell kind of came off. Um, and that's why I thought it'd be interesting to talk about what we, what some people call the pain body now, what in yoga or um, Buddhism. Just very quickly, two minutes, a two-minute version of samskaras. Uh, or the pain body. And um, what, what, what seems to happen... Uh, oh, it's such a big subject. We, we actually need to do a retreat, really, to kind of... Uh, and have a week-long retreat where we deal with the pain body. That was something... In time, I want to put retreats on. Um, as we live our lives, as we uh, deal with our conditioned responses, our reactivity, and then as suffering results because of that, which it ultimately does, uh, because that's all that we can have, even if... Uh, we live a perfectly nice life, a nice Hebden Bridge life, for example. Uh, I've got nothing against Hebden Bridge. I love living here, but I, I see the bubble, you know, that we live through a lot of the time. Uh, or, or we're very lovely and intellectual, as I was, you know. Uh, or, uh, you know, whatever it is that we live through. We know that it's not real. We know that it's not real. And um, all you have to do, it, it's better to kind of look outside of oneself. All you have to do is look in a cafe and you'll see people who are supposed to be friends. They've never met each other. You see people who've been married for years sitting at a dinner table in a restaurant and they say they love each other and yet there's nothing, nothing there. They've never met. Needs are meeting needs, or perceived needs are meeting needs, and then our needs are either met, we believe are met by that person or are not. You know, I love you if you do that for me, you'll love me if I do this for you. The contract of marriage, etc., etc., etc. I hear all the time. I, work, I, work, I used to work in schools teaching creative writing a lot, and I see teachers talking to children in false voices. I see parents talking to children in false voices. I see people come in this room and speak from their intellectualism, from their knowledge, from their learning. I've done it. I'm no better than anybody else. And, and it's not a life. It's not good enough for us, because we're, 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 we're just life itself. We're, these, we're beautiful, we're so beautiful. And, and, uh, and we're just like, life is coursing through us. And, and yet we've learned to kind of live like this. And then as suffering builds, we tend to kind of 
view ourselves through the experiences that we've had, through the suffering that we've had. Uh, this person has betrayed me. I hurt myself like this in an accident. This person has died on me. This terrible thing happened. This person has done things to me. And eventually it forms a kind of shell which become very deeply worn grooves. In Vedanta they call it Vasana. In Buddhism they call them Samskaras. In, you know, Tolle calls it the pain body. And this thing becomes kind of like a self-protecting wound. It's a wounded part of ourselves that if anything comes anywhere near it, we just lash out, we react. Um, you, see, you see this happen a lot on a Saturday night when people are drunk around towns and people who are kind of mates one minute and they're just the next, you know, it's just gone like that kind of thing. Things just break down. Alco you know, we use alcohol, we use sex, we use drugs to try and get beyond the pain body, to try and find a place of peace, a place of freedom. But we, we're looking always to temporary means, looking always to something not real, insubstantial, something that's going to end. But because we don't know any other way, because we don't just sit in, in presence with our children, because we've not been sat with by somebody in presence with us, and just experience the natural love of another human being that is not a created thing, we, we just, we just uh, maybe if I keep drinking, Maybe if I keep taking the drugs, I'll have this enlightenment experience. Maybe if I do enough yoga, I'll become lovable and somebody will love me. I don't know if you recognize any of these things. I'm talking quite hard. But um, this is what it's like. But that, it's that thing in us that just lashes out, that reacts, or that clamps down so tight and abuses ourselves and punishes ourselves. That's the pain body. And it's very, very subtle. And it's got like little hairs and feelers that are always out there looking for somebody who looks like that person who hurt us, that person who mugged me, that man who did that to me, that woman who did this to me. And it seems like that's it. And there are personal pain bodies, and then there are cultural pain bodies, and then there are national pain bodies, and then the world. It seems to form into kind of countries, uh, which is really quite interesting. If you look at different nations, they have different reactive tendencies. This is the main thing that's in our way. And you can't do anything about the national pain body. And you can't do anything about somebody else's. But you can do something about your own. And you can't do it with your mind. But the mind is a tool that we have, a beautiful, astonishing tool that can help that when it's illuminated by the consciousness within. Which all that means is that we trust our consciousness a bit more and that we maybe perhaps become a bit more honest with ourselves uh, radical honesty with ourselves, which doesn't mean going around going, I am so bad, I have a pain body. It's just radical honesty of, there it is. And the pain body is a bit like Rumpelstiltskin. The second we see it arising, if we just say, if we have the courage to say to ourselves, that's the pain body. If we name it, and perhaps I have this thing of putting our hand on, my hand on my heart, we do it in, in, in the class sometimes, I just say, put your hand on your heart at the end of meditation. If you find yourself the pain body arising, if you just put your hand on your heart, attend to the senses so that you can kind of uh, come back inside, 80% of the pain body stuff is taken care of. Because of where, the second you name it, it can't continue. 
you notice the tendency to want to keep going at first. At first it happens and you notice afterwards it happened. Then, it's, then you notice while it's happening. And then you notice just before. And then you're basically pretty much in consciousness. And it's, it's basically formed from hard ego. And it will melt slowly as we just keep returning, returning, returning to consciousness over and over again and our own hearts. Not creating love, but just genuinely going like that. It's the pain body. That's the only work we need to do as human beings to, to save this world, to change this world. It could be done in, in, in no time at all, but we just don't have the courage for it a lot of the time. Politicians particularly trade on the pain body. If you look at uh, what's happening with our kind of people who want political power, look at how they poke trying to find the pain body that will cause the most kind of reaction. See that? And that's how we play each other as well. That's how people have power over you. Uh, you know, if, if you feel that somebody's controlling you, having power over you, watch for how they know what your pain body is and go like that. Christmas with your family, you know, that fight that always starts, <clears throat> there's that thing, you know. The people closest to us can see it very clearly and they can go for it like that. And the person who loves us is the person who can see it and doesn't do it. You know, <laughs> and actually, you know, and if we had the courage, Pima Chodron, who I just adore uh, until, you know, there's no more adoring left <laughs> in me kind of thing, just like Pima Chodron, she's just astonishing. Um, you know, if, if we have people who are very close to us who are also just wanting to work with truth, if you could point out the pain body arising to each other and then not kill each other for it, uh, that would be a really wonderful thing. So in one of her talks, she, uh, she comes up with the idea of kind of perhaps these people on retreat start working with each other. But instead of saying, look, your pain body is showing, you just kind of pull your earlobe. You have a little sign, you know, which just means you're off, you're in there, you're trapped in it. And sometimes it's just too tight to do anything about. But you can be honest about it afterwards and just go and apologise. You don't need to beat yourself up about it. It's going to apologise if it's happened. Uh, and if that person actually cares about you, then they'll forgive you. you know? And if they don't, they don't. There's nothing you can do about that. But you've learnt from it. That's the only thing that matters. And as we learn to bring consciousness more and more to that, our mind becomes illuminated and that stuff starts being washed out, cleaned out. But there'll always be a couple of bits left. I say this every week, you know, because these things run so deep in the human life, they leave two or three tracks in each person that are quite particular to each person, but they're usually around relationships with other people or money or sexuality or something like that. And, um, and they're not for getting rid of, but because we have awareness... Oops. Because we're based much more in awareness than just knowing that they're there and their tendency to rise, we understand what, what caused them to rise up. Because we keep bringing consciousness to it, we actually just begin to lose interest. And so it never goes away. There's always something kind of going to try and poke at you. And you'll be tender in that spot. It's like if you kind of broke your leg once and it still aches 10 years later, you know. Um, it's still there, but you're not going to go down that reactive route because you have this space of consciousness as, as, as your healing and protection. 
But that's the, that's the problem that we face. It's up to each one of us to do something about that, if we choose to. Because that's what, we're, that's what we're, I don't know, but I assume that's what you're doing here. That's why we're here, is to, for, to be free of those things and to, to kind of live our life more fully and to kind of enjoy our lives and, and love each other and love yourself. And, um, and that's the thing that's standing in the way. It's nobody else. There's nobody else standing in the way. And once we've dealt with the samskaras, life is an awful lot lighter and illuminated and beautiful. It doesn't mean you escape suffering because people are going to die we're going to die we're going to get ill but we can attend to ourselves with consciousness and love and each other and meet each other because to be met is is the greatest of things you know and to not have to wear a face Thank you so much. And I really do feel like we need a retreat soon, I think, to kind of, uh, you know, I could have, could have done a lot more this evening, especially on this subject, you know, the fasteners and the pain body. It's, um, it's the place where true growth is. That's what we need to attend to, to genuinely uh, have what we want in our lives. Uh, and yet... It's very easy to uh, start sort of looking out for this stuff and we need maximum love and forgiveness for ourselves for this uh, because you can't just get rid of it by thinking, right, I'm not going to do that anymore. It doesn't go like that. This is, this is the deepest entrenchments um, that will kind of bring us back again and again and again and keep rising up again and again and again. But when we meet it with presence and when we meet it with love for ourselves and forgiveness and not getting into a victim or a blame cycle about it, but just, okay, that thing happened. I'm aware of that. Just letting awareness come each time. It will quickly, quickly go away. I reckon anybody can be through their stuff in three to six months, quite honestly. You know, it does seem time-based because this stuff has taken a lot of time to accrue. I think it can be free of... 80 to 90% of our stuff in just, just a very short time period, quite honestly, just with an honest, loving heart. That's all that it takes. And, uh, and just the daily turning up again and again and again in everything that we do, in every meeting that we have with other people, in every interaction with our partners and so on, in the people that we meet at work, and in the time alone by ourselves. That's the great one. Who are you when you're alone with yourself? And... Um, not like we're kind of sitting watching it like this, but just, just as we kind of deepen our consciousness, our awareness of our consciousness, bringing that back again and again. Uh, that's it. If, if we could just do that for a while, it would really, really make a difference. Bless you. Thank you so much.